I've been thinking a bit lately, um, and, and others have noticed this as well, how incredibly generous Australians were in the midst of the recent bushfires uh, that ravaged our country. Um, the reports are that 52% of Australians gave something, and on average that something was $50. Amazing generosity, right? Um, when crisis hit our country, uh, people stood up, dug deep, gave generously. Remarkable. But right, commentators have also noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed, that equally in the past weeks, uh, not only generosity, but fear has gripped many of us. People are scrambling now to get food and other supplies. I wondered what enables these two capacities to exist at the one time in human beings, um, in the human heart. Generosity, kindness, um, opening of our wallets and our purses and our bank accounts, and yet on the other side, grabbing and grasping over the last roll of toilet paper. What enabled both to occur? And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, um, what's different about us? Um, what ought to be different about us? You know, we are free people and we live in a free country. Um, we enjoy incredible freedom and liberty, right? And um, we are the envy of many other nations and peoples of the world. But it's interesting, right, when my freedom to protect myself might actually trump my freedom to care for someone else. Martin Luther, um, reflecting on the book of Galatians, um, spoke about how Christians, as if you're a Christian today, you are a free person. Um, he says that, the, I think this is pretty much what he said, uh, a Christian person is a free person um, uh, subject to none. But that free person in Christ is a slave to all. So the big difference, right, with Christian freedom is that we are freed to be servants to those in need. How do you do that? How do I do that? How do we do that? How do you do that at, at a Living Word Bible Church? As lovers of freedom, as proclaimers of liberty and livers in the light of liberty, how do we use our freedom for the good of others, even when it might cost us? And the answer actually is found in that reading, Romans chapter 8. That nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Just a little earlier in Romans, Paul writes, Christ has died for us. Actually, more than that, Christ has been risen again for us. Wow. Now, in the first century, right, there was, um, when this was originally written and received, infant mortality rates were incredibly high compared to today. In the time that this letter was written, Romans chapter 8, um, life expectancy was incredibly low, especially when compared to today. And yet, these Christians in these early times, they were known for their generous hearts, their radical kindness, their compassionate care of the sick, um, the helpless, the plagued, the diseased, the homeless and the weak. Why? Because they were convinced that death was no longer the great enemy. That God had bound himself to his people and freed them from having to grab and to grasp and to fight and to protect themselves at all costs. Instead, many of them gave themselves in love and in service. You know, when the Apostle Paul says that neither 
persecution or famine or nakedness nor poverty or death can separate us from the love of God. He's saying, right, that God's people will encounter these things, and they do all around the world right now. But it's reminding us that in the midst of encountering these things, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. So the first thing I want to say to us today in light of this truth, in light of this reality, is this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God loves you. Jesus has dealt with death. Should it come to you, should it come to me, that's just the next step to meeting Jesus face to face. We don't need to be afraid. Now, death, right, it's, it's always been a problem for everyone in every century, for every person who set foot on planet Earth. Um, death, it's sort of a new problem. Now, we are fortunate, right, to live in Adelaide. We are fewer in number compared to other cities um, in Australia and, and right around the world. Um, we live kind of further apart geographically, yet we're not immune. So don't become complacent. You know, please note and, and continue to follow, um, as God's people, the advice of our leaders, um, political leaders, and, and medical experts. But don't be afraid. If you are in Jesus Christ, you're safe. But I do need to ask the question, right? Are you in Christ? It's all very well to, to wash our hands and to apply hand sanitizer. That's critically important. I hope you're doing that. But washing your hands will not ultimately protect you from death. It will come either now or it will come later. But if you're in Jesus, you have a guarantee beyond death. Now, for many of many of us, or some of us at least, um, you know, and maybe me included, where we, you know, we're often a bit too young to really consider the reality of death. You get a bit older, and that idea becomes a bit more kind of real. Um, but are you in Christ? Are you in Jesus? Are you trusting Him? He's your only safe place. You know, the one thing we can't say right now, brothers and sisters, is you will be okay. You know, it's, that's an empty platitude, isn't it? it? It's hollow. It holds no meaning. You may not be okay. Are you in Christ? Have you trusted Jesus? Yes? We well, are safe. Don't be afraid. If that's the only thing you hear today, then that's great. Don't be afraid. Be sensible, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep trusting Jesus. But secondly, don't fear um, and love your neighbour. Love your neighbour. Um, you know, are you, as a follower of Jesus in this time, this unprecedented moment in world history, at least kind of our section of world history, are you, are you seeking to take care of the least? It's a big theme in the Gospels. Uh, you, you see Jesus constantly, time after time, just like loving the least of the people. Um, are you seeking to love the weakest, the most vulnerable in our community? by washing our hands, by rubbing on sanitizer, by social distancing. Actually, we are loving the most vulnerable, the elderly, the already sick. So let's keep doing that. Now, I'm not weak, right? I mean, 
relatively speaking. I'm not weak, at least when it comes to COVID-19. I'm 40 years old. I have no respiratory issue. I have no pre-existing health conditions. I'm in the very low risk category. And yet I am still washing my hands like crazy and telling everyone else to wash their hands like crazy. Every five minutes I'm spraying on hand sanitizer and it's always in my pocket wherever I go. But not everyone is like me, like most of us. It's our older people, those who have pre-existing medical conditions, those who live in conditions that are less hygienic. We need to make sure we care for others by reducing the spread, by flattening the curve, playing our part. Why? To protect the least, to protect the weakest, to care for and to love the most vulnerable. We, by doing that, are not acting out of fear, we're actually acting out of love. COVID-19, right, it's um, 10 times deadlier than the flu. We've got no vaccine right now, none. All the science says we've got to take steps now that we're better for the week. So let's do that. So, you know, at least at our church, um, in in a city like Church North Adelaide, um, greetings from them to you as well. Um, we are, you know, we're not meeting anymore. We're, we're entirely meeting via um, Zoom or other platforms where we can be together, though we're scattered. Um, we've, uh, we've changed a whole lot, lot of things. So I exhort you to follow the guidelines uh, and be wise. And do spare a thought, right, for those countries in our world that are currently ravaged by COVID-19. Spain, um, Italy, the US... Actually, don't just spare a thought. Pray. Pray. Pray for our people. Pray for the people of the world. You know, I read an article the other day in um, a publication, a Christian publication called The Briefing. Um, it doesn't actually sort of exist anymore, at least in print form. Um, there was an article written in The Briefing by a guy called Tony Payne. Um, he wrote an article in 2009 in response to the SARS epidemic that went around the world a little bit. And uh, he just kind of postulated, um, 2009, so this is like 11 years ago, what would happen if a virus shot around the world that meant churches kind of had to totally change the way they met for a period of time? Um, You know, shutting down gatherings, shutting down small groups, um, moving into little places. And uh, yeah, uh, it was quite a surreal read uh, to read that just a few days ago uh, because that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And, and the, the article basically said, what's it going to look like for us to love one another, to encourage one another as followers of Jesus, um, should something like this happen? And here it is. It's upon us. We're in the midst of it. Uh, and so I want to ask you at Living Word Bible Church, how will you continue to love and encourage one another? Should you know this go on for some time? Not being able to meet together in, in large groups and even small groups. Um, it, what are you going to do? Um, hopefully you're already thinking about what that means for you. Um, but, you know, one really simple way is to use the phone. Now, that maybe you're even watching this on right now. The phone that we all have in our hands, in our bags and things like that, which we often use to text and, and, and watch, I don't know, YouTube videos of cats or, um, you know, Facebook check-ins and things like that. Maybe you could use it to, to call people. Uh, maybe you could use it to, to, to call people and read the Bible together over, pray together Heck, even sing together. Um, One thing I've found so far um, with Zoom and and other sort of platforms for communication like that's really hard to sing together because there's a delay, can become like a bit of a joyful noise, which is fine, but it's hard to say things together, it's hard to sing together. 
But on the phone, no problem. Um, you could be doing that. Um, importantly, right, what, what are we going to do uh, for one another when um, you know, we become perhaps increasingly isolated and people are isolated for 14 days or um, you know, indefinitely? Um, how are you going to care for them? How are you going to share their burdens? Um, I'm going to leave that up to you to think about and, and hopefully leadership is thinking about that right now. So brothers and sisters, don't be afraid. Um, be wise and uh, keep loving one another. That's the, where we're at so far. Um, you know, and there's great examples, right, in, in church history um, of, of how Christians in the midst of plagues um, have stepped up, um, have put their own rights sort of on the side and stepped into the midst of a particular crisis or plague. Um, wonderful examples through history. Um, uh, in the second century, for example, uh, the world was struck by the Antonine Plague. That was 165 to um, 180. That's 15 years of plague. Um, it's believed that that particular pandemic um, was introduced to the Roman Empire by soldiers who were returning from a battle in Syria. Um, five million people died in that plague. In the following century, 251 to 266, you know, that's approaching 20 years of plague, was the plague of Cyprian, um, spread across the world from Africa. It was transmitted person to person by physical contact, and 50% of people who encountered the disease, they died. It's said, right, that during those pandemics, um, government officials, all the wealthy people, even the pagan priests kind of fled the cities and went to the hills, um, you know, to escape being impacted by it. It was, however, the men and women of faith, the Christian people, who stayed behind. Instead of hiding in the shadows, they, they faced the darkness. Instead of running in panic, they entered the disease. Instead of fearing death, they offered light and love and life in the midst of it. And many people came to know Jesus through their Jesus-shaped lives and love. Bishop Dionysius um, praised the efforts of the early Christians. He said this, I quote, Most of our Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbours and cheerfully accepting their pains, end quote. It's moments like this, right, that challenges and reminds me of who I am in Christ, who we are in Christ. Your Christianity is not a club for the like-minded. Christianity is not a tribe for those looking for a comfortable and easy life. Christianity is a movement of love, of sacrifice and of grace. So don't be afraid. Love your neighbour. Be wise. Make sure you're trusting Jesus. And pray. You know, maybe the way we live in this time, um, less panicked, less anxious, more generous, more sacrificially, will provide us with opportunities to, to say to those around us, you know, not arrogantly, but to say to those around us, I'm safe in Jesus. Um, and, and that might, I don't know, give you an opportunity to, to speak about the hope that you have in Christ. And that maybe the hope that you have in Christ will become the hope 
that others share. So don't be afraid. Love your neighbour. Be wise. Make sure you're trusting Jesus. And pray. Should we do that now? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you um, for the hope that we have in Jesus, that you've given us by grace. None of us have earned that. Father, thank you for the way that the hope that we have, the, the, we have life beyond death, um, gives us the ability to have a different kind of posture in the midst of this crisis, one of less anxiety, less panic, and potentially more generosity and more self-sacrifice. So Lord, help us to be a real light in the midst of this darkness. Father, as we have opportunity, give us opportunities, Lord, we pray, to share the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we pray for respite from the COVID-19 virus. Lord, we pray for those who are seeking to find a vaccine to overcome this virus. Father, um, prosper their work, Lord, we pray. We pray for world leaders and we pray for our Prime Minister and, and Um, our Premier of this state, as they seek to lead us and guide us in ways that will keep us healthy and slow the spread of the virus. Lord, help us to be uh, good citizens who listen, uh, Lord, and obey and seek the good of those around us. We pray for medical personnel, Lord, who are uh, seeking to um, care for on the front line uh, people who are impacted by this illness ever-increasing. And Lord, for us, um, help us to not fear, uh, to know the Gospel more deeply than ever, And that knowing the gospel more deeply than ever would um, overflow in love for our neighbour. And Lord, we pray that we would see, maybe even in the midst of this crisis, but certainly afterwards, many who would turn to Christ. Father, we thank you and praise you afresh that Jesus is on the throne. That he is in control. That he cares. That our God is compassionate. Father, make us your people like you. Um, People who care people who show compassion. Help us to shine Jesus at this time. And all God's people said, Amen. It's been good to be with you today. I trust you'll keep trusting Jesus. Um, And just let me leave you with one um, exhortation from God's word. Um, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verses 4 to 7. We are, as a church at North Adelaide, um, learning this. It's our memory verse uh, for this period. Uh, Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Um, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus, brothers and sisters. I'll see you really soon.